My name is Brandy. I run a bookshop in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and I used to run a bookshop on wheels. In this podcast, we talk about books, the people who love books, and the business side of running a bookshop, which is a dream of many. And if you've been listening for a while, you know that I will be pretty honest about the reality of it all. One of the greatest things about being a woman in business is, yes, we wear a lot of hats. We do so many things. Quite often, we do them all at the same time. But we also get a chance to meet other women who are doing incredible things. So I have featured a number of them already on this podcast. Go back, listen to some of those episodes, because there are some extraordinary women in this book space. Today, I am talking to two incredible women, Jema Fixen and Regina Saroy. They are the collaborative writing duo who wrote the book, The Girl in His Shadow, which comes out on May the 4th. And of course, yes, we're going to have that on the shelves at Daisy Chain Book Company. You bet we will. And of course, yes, in this episode, we will talk about that book. But what I also want you to pay attention to is something that I find especially fantastic. Their collaborative writing partnership is one that inspired the heck out of me, and I really hope that inspires you as well. These are two bold, complimentary women who have written a story that is, I think, bold and complimentary of their styles, and I cannot wait for people to get their hands on it. I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Okay, I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Here you go. Here's my conversation with Jema and Regina. So this is so fun for me because you two are now the second time that I've been able to talk to two people at once. And I kind of love seeing your faces. (laughs) So for everybody who can't see you and doesn't know who you are, can you guys please introduce yourselves? I'm Jema Fixon and I'm half of uh, the writing person Audrey Blake and I'm Regina Saroy I'm the other half of Audrey Blake and I live in Kansas in the U.S. well hello Kansas <laughs> so how does how does that work how do you both collaborate as authors and then create one author name that you write under what does that whole process look like well it's a really It's hard for us to explain it to other writers because when we say it, their mouths fall open and they say, oh, no, you don't. (laughs) And we say, oh, yes, we do. (laughs) So our collaboration is really unique. Most authors we know that collaborate to make a single work of fiction um, will take a chapter. One takes this chapter, one takes this character, and they have their own kind of freedom within that book as they write it. And... Um, Jama and I go about it really differently. Um, everything that we write, we truly write together. So what we do is we will sketch out everything that needs to happen in the plot of the book and how we want to address those scenes, whose character we want to tell them from, all of that. And then we say, hey, Jama, which one of these are speaking to you the most? And she'll say, which one's speaking to you, Regina? And I'll say, I really want that dissection scene. And she says, go for it. So I start the scene. I send it to Jema, And then she takes the scene and she makes all the changes that she would make as if she were editing her own work. Just there goes that sentence. There goes that word. Here comes this. Here comes that. 
And then same thing, Jama sends me her work and I have freedom to change whatever I, we want. And we track our changes and then we FaceTime and we say, how did you feel about that change I made? How do you feel about this insertion? And then sometimes we say, I really don't want to lose this thing that you erased. And we talk through it sentence by sentence. So literally half a sentence is hers and half is mine. And sometimes even the first writer won't make it through the first scene. We'll get stuck and then we just kind of pass the baton and say, I got to this far, but I'm stuck. Take over. It's kind of like a relay. Yes. That is so amazing. And you know what I love is how honoring that is of each of your talents and skills and your, your vision for it. It's not like a competition. It sounds like you guys really are a cohesive team. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, that is amazing. So, how did you two meet? That's another story. <laughs> <laughs> it was a long time ago. What year was it, Regina? Two thousand twelve. It's been almost ten years, Jima. Oh wow, that's crazy. So, in two thousand twelve, um, Regina and I both had novels that we'd written that were kind of sitting on our computers that weren't we weren't doing anything with and we both entered the Amazon Breakthrough Novel Award. We both made it to the, they don't do this competition anymore, but we both made it to the round where your pitch passed and your first chapter's passed and now your whole manuscript is able for people to read and vote on and editors to look at. And I had heard about Regina's a book from a neighbor who also wrote and so I read her book and thought oh my gosh well she's gonna win (laughs) somehow I some other reader had contacted you so I knew what your email address was and so I sent you a review and and then you wrote me back and said but I wrote yours and I thought the same thing and it was kind of crazy because I mean that's the kind of thing that people might say but in our cases, we both actually meant it. But I was the one who was right. Uh, Regina won. <laughs> and it was awesome. But we just kept trading chapters and kept trading things. And so from that point on, we just were kind of involved in each other's writing. Sorry, Jim. When you say that there isn't competition, it's collaboration, you you perceived it perfectly because Jamie and I have been cheering each other on for almost a decade now when we had nothing to do with each other's work, when her success really didn't affect me at all other than as a friend. We've really been um, writing together and cheering each other on for a really long time now. And she is a fantastic writer. Like her, she's being modest. The first email she sent to me, even though she had gone from being in 10,000 entries of novels to the top 50 and had the attention of Amazon, she wrote me a total stranger an email and she said, I love your book. I wish you the best luck. I'll be voting for you. That's what she says to a total stranger. And that is the collaboration that we have had. That's the level of care for each other's work that we have always had. That's incredible. Everybody seems to hear about, you know, women, whether it's in business or artistic pursuits or whatever, who are just against each other. And there's that, there's that cattiness kind of mentality that people hear about women, but 
they often neglect that sometimes women together have this beautiful ceremonial experience with each other where they do celebrate each other and they do lift each other up and make each other better. And you guys are a perfect example of that. That is incredible. It's a great thing to experience together. I'll bet it is. Because you also get to share in the joys with somebody too, right? Who actually really gets it. Yes. And the the hard times too. Like when uh, a scene isn't working or, you know, we think we've got it right and we hear back from our agent or from our editors that it's different and we're like, ah, we've tried so many times. How do we, how do we uh, you've got someone who's like being there with you at, through the struggle too to just be like, okay, one more stab at it. Right. That's, it's true, right? You, you do. You have somebody who holds you up and who cheers you on. But I think that's, <laughs> that's the coolest situation. Yeah. I love it. And how did the name Audrey Blake come about? Um, the Masters of Marketing. <laughs> they So Jema Fixen and Regina Saroy are not the easiest names to pronounce, remember, or spell. Actually, either of us. And so marketing took a look at us and said, oh, you want to put two hard names on one book and have people remember <laughs> it? And they said, how about you come up with one really easy name (laughs) and so to just to honor each other and the way we did this um we named after my oldest daughter and her oldest son and that's how audrey blake was born that is perfect yeah so it's not just two names out of nowhere they're still Mm -hmm. personal yeah oh Mm -hmm. i love it and is this your first book together or have you done one before only together. We've both written several on our own. So we know what it is to write a solo. Mm -hmm. This is our first venture writing together. And can you give our audience kind of a summary about what this book is all about? Uh, The Girl in His Shadow is about a female anatomist in Victorian London, back when women you know, aren't even supposed to say the word leg. <laughs> You're supposed to say the limb of a table. But she has a passion for medicine and uh, wants to be a surgeon, which, of course, is a challenge. And, and it's just her struggle pursuing a medical career? No, uh, it's not only that, because uh, at that time, medicine was very unregulated. And it was a real kind of Wild West cowboy show you know, doctors learned by stealing bodies from graveyards and experimented on poor people who couldn't afford care and, you know, all kinds of things that we just shudder to think about today. So there was space that women scientists could participate, um, but there's also a lot of crazy things happening. This, you know, people are discovering anesthesia by accident when they're experimenting with party drugs and so our our character, Nora, makes a discovery that dramatically changes medicine. But because she's an outsider, she has to face the question of whether it's worth sharing this discovery and exposing herself and losing her ability to practice medicine or whether it's it's worth sharing. And how do you decide on this storyline? Like it, it is what I love about it is it's so specific and it's not common. There are certain themes and stories that are kind of 
expected and they're trending and all that kind of thing. So it feels like it's just a different paintbrush on the same idea. But your story idea is very different. It has a whole different kind of bent to it, which I think a reader reading could let their imagination go so many different directions. So how did you come up with this story idea and then decide to move forward with it? Um, for me, I got really inspired by reading history. So that's what I studied at university. I studied history. That's my major. Um, so I'm always studying history. And I came across the most fascinating book called The Blessed Days of Anesthesia and The Knife Man. These are two separate books, but they were about um, physicians in Victorian times. And these books were so fascinating and they captured, I love all history, but they captured me in a way that no subgenre of history has ever captured me before. And when I went to Jema, I said, Jema, my imagination is on fire. Like, I feel like, I feel like there's this character in me and I had the character of Horace Croft, the surgeon that raises Nora um, and that introduces her to the medical field. And I could just feel him and I needed to tell his story, but the task was so monumental to not only have all the details of the Victorian era right, but to get every medical detail right and every, it was so beyond me. And of course, Jema, she's brilliant like an encyclopedia oh yeah I read books about (laughs) medical history all the time she's read something about everything I've ever even thought of in my life so it's fantastic she was just on board from the first moment I'm like I'm like this is crazy what do you think and she's like I'm in and she said but we can't write from first person because I often write from first person and it drives like that is not her comfort zone so she's like if we can write from third person I'm in (laughs) so that was my only stipulation. <laughs> and Regina totally went with it. So <laughs> kind of dream partnership that we have. It's great. That is awesome. That is just awesome. So then do you plan after this one for this storyline or this time period to continue into other books? Or is this a, a very limited standalone kind of experience for you guys? Well, can I tell you something exciting, Brandy? Yes. Yeah. Go ahead, Regina. Well, when we sent this, when we landed an agent, we were really excited. And then when our our agent landed multiple um, offers, we were very, very excited. And then when our agent came back with um, a major publisher who not only wanted our book, but wanted the sequel. And we said, we haven't written the sequel. And they're like, but they're buying it. So we, um, book two is actually in its finishing edits right now. So we have been, we've been writing a book as we edited another book. It's been quite a year for us. You guys, I mean, insert applause right here. (laughs) That is fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, Brandy. In fact, and Regina's being like modest, but uh, our manuscript is due tomorrow. (laughs) Seriously? It's been Seriously, a really long week. <laughs> yeah. Oh it's my been gosh. Really you made time to talk to me today? Always. Oh, I'm so excited <laughs> to talk to you, Brandy. <laughs> oh my gosh. You guys, you're you're a force. Holy cow. Well done. Thank you. It is it is a dream of so many aspiring writers to 
have one story that they could just put on the world and say, here it is, world. Have a look at it. Tell me what you think. Please be kind. <laughs> right? But you yes. guys collaborated together on a very um, – it, it's a very innovative idea for a historical novel that I think does lead well to something that comes after. So that is exciting. I can't wait to have two of those books on my shelf. That is awesome. Okay. So Audrey Blake is just running – Look at her go. <laughs> We're kind of excited. It, it seems pretty surreal. Like when you talk about how people dream about this, it's, it's sometimes hard to like, okay, yeah, it's like really happening. <laughs> yeah. How did you move that needle forward? Because as you said, like a lot of people do dream about it. But what was it about the two of you that said, I'm, I'm just going to pursue it, even though a lot of other people are doing it or trying, this is something that I'm going to just do anyway. How did you do that? It's easier when you have a friend with you, I think, sometimes. Because yeah. you're kind of counting on each other. So if I duff it today, Gina's not going to have stuff to work with tomorrow. Yeah. True. True. That's true. An accountability partner, a support, somebody yeah. who's got your back. And and mm -hmm. Jamie's not she's not a good writer. She's a beautiful writer. So when I when I have somebody that I'm working with that I can look at and say that's an unbelievable skill set that she has and when she turns around and says Regina, you're one of the best writers I know. Like, what a shot of confidence that is. That somebody that Me I best. think... <laughs> when somebody that I really admire and aspire to gain the skills she has, when she turns around and says, no, I'm, I'm trying to gain the skills you have. And like, the shot of confidence it gives me just makes me think, well, if I have something to say, I should try saying it. It's never, ever been about, well, how many, how many copies will sell and who will read it. It's been about, can I make it beautiful? That's the only question I've ever asked myself when I sit down to write, can I make this beautiful? And she does. She's being modest and saying how great my writing is, but like, you know, I still believe that she, like, we both believe each other is better. <laughs> Just just hearing you guys talk, honestly, I mean, it is such a, uh, you're so appreciative, right? There's, there's no, there's no obvious competition or um, arrogance in either of you. You're both very humble. You're very complimentary of each other. It's, I have to tell you, this is not a real common thing. You guys are special. I love this. I wish so many people could hear this and know that this is what a good collaborative partnership looks like. Oh, I was just going to say, right when I first came to this, I remember thinking, well, what if this hurts our friendship? Because it's a strong friendship and I need it. Like, I need her as my writing support. And what if this ever... And so I remember sitting down with myself and saying, I don't know what this is going to look like or feel like to write a whole book together. We've never tried. But for me, the decision was... I'm going to have to go into this with no ego. The only objective are the characters in the story. And whatever Jama does to make those characters in the story be better 
is a favor to me. It's not a competition. It doesn't mean that I did it wrong. I'm going to have to look at this as she's helping me make something better for the world. And I think she came into it the same way. And it was just always friendship first. We're not going to sacrifice a friendship for a paragraph or a chapter that it's not going to work. But I think, Regina, you and me, I too, I hope, are robust enough that we can say we're not going to sacrifice our friendship and we're not going to sacrifice our story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I think we're both open enough to the idea of like, when she says it's better this way, I take a minute to clear away all emotion and then I just read it her way. And then I say, is that really better? I just, I have to take... I have to take the comparison out of it and say, is it really better? And if I if I really don't think it is, then you know, we stop and we have a discussion. And I say, I say, I see where you're coming from. And this is why I'm missing elements from what it was before. And so when we come to a place where we don't agree, the process we go through is what is it about the way that you like it that's important to you? Is it the emotion? Is it the word? Is it the representation? Like we get down to the very core of what it is that person is protecting. And then we ask ourselves, how can I honor what they're protecting and still protect what I'm trying to protect? And that's sort of just the process. And very rarely has it been a difficult process. Only a couple of times have we like really had to grapple with how do we get down to the core of this and and keep everything that we both want. It just doesn't happen that often. That's no, incredible. it really doesn't. Which is kind of amazing because we've written 200,000 publishable words. Never mind how many words we've got. Yeah. That means like 300,000 <laughs> total. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of words, you guys. So writers are readers, but not all readers are writers. So as Authors who have created amazing stories and put so many thousands of words together <laughs> beautifully. What is your reading life like, each of you? Quite different. We're pretty different, actually. But I think that's one reason why we write well together is we each have different strengths that really mesh well together. Yeah. So where I have a deficit, it's really perfect because Regina has the exact talent and skill set to fill that. So Reading, we're really different too. Regina's way more literary than I am. Uh, well, Jame is way more up to date than I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying I just read the most wonderful book. It was written in 1886, but it was lovely. <laughs> A bestseller in the 1800s. And what have you both been reading recently? Me? Uh, I've been reading. I always have like one rom-com going on either a paperback or an e-reader um i also generally also have a mystery thriller like you know i turned through the bones series over the winter i i picked up on saturday from daisy chain bookshop uh the once and future witches which i am super excited about i burned through the first five chapters last night and Did it's you? really awesome <laughs> but normally i don't read a lot of fantasy uh, because that was ruined for me forever by <laughs> Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series that just went on and on and on and never seemed to end. So I can't read books that have maps in them anymore. No maps. 
That is a good rule. A book with a map is probably going to take you places you're not ready to go. My favorite author, or my favorite author is probably Eva Ibbotson or Dorothy Dennett. I love both. Yeah. Jama introduced me to Eva Ibbotson, and I think she's incredible. So I just started Year of Wonders by Geraldine Brooks, which is about the 1649 plague. And I, I haven't finished it, so I can't give you my full book review, but I'm in it, and I think it's beautiful. Beautifully written, um, especially dealing for a time period so distant. I'm always fascinated with how writers deal with times that we really don't have very good accounts of or a very good feel of what it was like to live in that time. So that fascinates me. So I was looking back over my bookshelf of what I've read in the, <laughs> the last several months. So I reread 1984 and Brave New World because I wanted to compare their different views of the future. So that was just for me. Yes. Uh, I reread a separate piece. I wanted to go into that. I'm currently reading The Diary of Anne Frank. And I read Rebecca by Morier. So I oh, really yes. do read like a lot of pretty classic books. That That's just what attracts me. But one of the books that, okay, if you want to ask me one of my favorite history books of all time for people that aren't historians. Like if you mm-hmm. don't usually just pick up a nonfiction book, but I, I think Everyone should read Dancing to the Precipice by Caroline Moorhead. It is is the most fascinating book about a woman who lived in the middle of the French Revolution. She was a lady-in-waiting to Marie Antoinette, and later... She became a wife to a man who was fighting for freedom for France. Later, her husband had to be hidden in a cabinet for a few months to save his life. She, like, literally ran for her life year after year. They went to America. They met, like, the founding fathers and were good buddies. And they were like, hey, stay with us. And they're like, we better get back to France. Like, every major event in the world that you could be a part of, Lucy Dord. Tour du Lapin was a part of, and she was incredible. Like the book, you're just breathless the whole time. And it's called Dancing to the Precipice. To the Precipice. That was a line from one of her journals about the French Revolution. She said, We are all just dancing to the precipice. They were just hmm. on their, It's fascinating. Okay. I will put a link to that in the show notes so people can go and find that as quickly as possible. That is very, very cool. What is a book that you are looking forward to reading next? I have one that is on my nightstand that got bumped down the queue by Once and Future Witches, but it's The Curious Mr. Parkinson. Uh, and it's a biography of Parkinson, the guy whose Parkinson's disease is named after. So he's a doctor in Regents of England, and I'm super excited to read it. How about you, Regina? What are you reading next? Well, I kind of want to see, because this Year of Wonders was Geraldine Brooks' very first novel that she ever wrote. Um, Was it? Yes. And I think she has one entitled Children of the Book. And I'm interested in reading that one next. She's, her, her writing is captivating me. And I think it's really, really good. Didn't she write the story behind uh, Louisa May Alcott, who wrote Little Women? I don't know. One of her books, I think, has to deal with the story behind the family that either inspired Little Women or 
something about that. And I, somebody was telling me that it was just astounding. I don't have to read that one. Yeah. I come from a family of girls. I have four sisters. And we always kind of felt like we were the little women. Every time there's a movie that comes out, we go see it together. We, we read the book together when we were kids. <laughs> I remember reading Little Women and being confused. Wait, Lori, that's a boy? I've never met a boy named Lori. Right. And, and then I thought that they were always such a good pair, he and Joe. And Joe was a boy's name, but she was a girl. And I was, I was like, wait, <laughs> how does this work? And I, every time I read it, I was hoping that they would still be together. And they were never together. So that always messed up with my romantic ideals of how I think things should end. <laughs> yeah. I think we need to, there's like a club of women who feel that way. I think there really is. Like, Laurie and Joe, why? <laughs> I know. And then he marries her sister? I know. Like, That's... That's cold. <laughs> it is cold. That's exactly what it is. Like a consolation prize? Come on. Yeah, I I had some real feelings about that book when I was young. So when you guys are not writing or reading or thinking about either one, what are you doing for fun? When I get a break from my computer, I am at a barn with horses. That is what I do for fun. So I, I um, homeschool my 13-year-old daughter. And so I teach her in the morning. And then when the weather is nice, every afternoon, we drive out to the barn and we spend the day taking care of dirty, smelly, sweaty horses. And I love every second of it. The dirtier I am, the happier I am. And what are the horses' names? Well, the special one that my daughter rides, her little pony is Peanut. We call him Peanut Colada. And he's a, he's a spicy little pony. But there are there is a mare horse on the farm that has never been saddle broke. And she is the exact same horse that Merida rides in the movie Brave, that huge black shire horse with feet like dinner plates. Yeah. And um, she's never been shadow broke, and I'm just befriending her. I like to go out, and she lets me groom her, and I just, lo- I just love her. Her name is Britt. She's an old British Yorkshire horse. And how about you, Jema? What do you do for fun? I, uh, I'm a snow enthusiast. I like everything snow which is good living in Edmonton uh cross-country skiing downhill skiing uh winter running I work as an OT here in the city uh that's an occupational therapist so I work with uh families with children with disabilities and then I have three kids of my own uh circus ringmaster or something I don't know (laughs) yes master plate spinner right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So if your next book is due tomorrow and your first book comes out on May the 4th, how long is it between books? Like how long do they come out? It's kind of complicated. Like we're learning all these things about, they take the books, the source books to like a planning meeting and then they plot out which books come when. Uh, So you know what our manuscript will be ready and then they'll take it to the plotting meeting and then your editors kind of pitch when which slot they wanted in the year oh so depending where we fall in the slot will be when our release date is for book two okay yes okay it's like very way more sophisticated than i thought it was (laughs) yeah there's an awful lot of hands in the pie isn't there yes these two books are coming close together um 
But whatever the third book is, it will come further apart. We both need a little vacation. <laughs> we have written ourselves mm. almost into a stupor. So. <laughs> wait, wait, yeah. wait. You said third book. Well, I'm sure Audrey Blake has more to say. Oh, this is very exciting. And it, Regina, maybe you don't know this about me yet, but Jamie, you might know this. I am a total sucker for really beautiful cover art. I will buy a book for the cover every darn day, 100%. And sometimes the cover is the best part of the book. And I'm not sorry, because I've got a beautiful piece of art in my shelf. I'm good with that. And when Jayma brought me um, an arc of your book, oh my gosh, the cover is so pretty. Thank I just I, I like run my hands over it. Like, I just I love the only good one. covers. Oh we yeah. So, so when you saw I'll bet you were. When you first saw it, did you just go, oh my word? Like that is that is a stunner. Yeah. I might have like cried a little bit. <laughs> yes. But but when we were done like exclaiming how excited we were and like I was like, so do you notice anything? And she's thinking, hey, Regina, do you notice anything? And the original copy of the cover, our our main character, Nora, was carrying what looked like a briefcase. And we're like, why is she carrying a briefcase? That's not a doctor's bag. And we're like, but it's too late. They already made it. Like, it's fine. We'll just have to. Anyway, we just happened to, like, give them just a little, by the way, that's not actually a doctor's bag, but we're not mad. <laughs> and they yeah. were like, well, what does an authentic... It was our agent, Jennifer, who did it, too. So she's, like, amazing. In two days, they had completely redone the cover. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> no, it is beautiful. And it, you know, it has a commanding look to it. It doesn't look flighty or the kind of book that you just sort of pass by it it all the colors and the tone the fonts the like it really does command your attention uh, so yes for all of you who are listening to this who have yet to lay your peepers on this book get your peepers on this book so that you can have it because it's art inside and out thank you I, you know what? I hope that our cover is your least favorite thing about the book when you finish it. Like, as beautiful as it is, I hope the inside surpasses it for you. Oh, I have no doubt it will. It's right over there. It's right over there by my bed. Yeah, I'm totally going to read it. I can't wait. And I, I think historical fiction for me is fun when it's not. Um, I guess the best way to say it is emotionally manipulative, right? When they, mm -hmm. when they, you can tell like insert cry here or, oh, here we're going to do this just so you have that really that is the whole focus of that plot line or that character or whatever. And I don't think that that takes, it doesn't work well for me. So um, I was flipping through the book and I was reading it bit by bit just to kind of get a sense of it. And I could tell already that is not happening in your book. So I am very excited to get it, into it. It doesn't have to happen in our book because 
the material that we are pulling from. So the cases that we write about in this book, Jamin and I have spent the last several years reading medical journals from the 1940s, case after case, and we bring them to each other. Did you see this case? Did you see what they gave this patient? Did you see this recovery? And studying the medicine of the day and the details that they put in and the details they leave out, like are so heartbreaking you don't have to manipulate it for for all the feelings all mm -hmm. the feelings are there like they are in the cases that we have studied so all we have to do is not mess it up as we hand these truths to the reader because they will speak for themselves and i had a thought let me see what you guys feel about this in the store we do what we call buddy reads where it's kind of like a book club. So I read a book and then I pull people along to sort of read along with me. And then we talk about it on Instagram stories and, you know, people can read something out of their wheelhouse. So the one that we're reading right now is Crossing to Safety by Wallace Stigner. We just started mm -hmm. that one. But I was thinking that after that one, we do your book. Oh, we'd be honored. Yeah, we would be flabbergasted. <laughs> I think it would be so fun. It would be so different. And to be able to actually have access to the two people who put it all together would be an incredible um, thrill. So I will find a way to collaborate with the two of you about working together on the Buddy Read so that you can kind of be a part of it and hear people's feedback and um, answer questions or whatever as we go. But I think that would be super fun. We'd love it. We would love it. It would be incredible to, you know, have that connection with readers. Yeah, I think so too. Well, and I can't wait to get your book into people's hands. I know that this this whole podcasting is not intended to be a commercial. It's not. It's really talking about your creative process and who you are. So when people know who you are, they will know why this book is special. And and I just I'm very excited when they come into the store. I will talk about this book. Count on it. <laughs> It's super special to us. So thank you, Brandy. <laughs> You're welcome. And uh, to hear your story and how you guys as friends collaborate so wholeheartedly as a team has been incredibly encouraging for me. Your store is such a special space and we're, it's just an honor to think that our book will be there. Yes. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, the Bookshop Chronicles, one of the things I love about listening to it, Brandy, is that you're not afraid to say, I didn't really love this book. Like, you're not like, I'm trying to just sell every book for any price, but you're also not afraid to say, that's totally okay. That doesn't mean yeah. it was a bad book, but like, I, I actually love listening to it because it's a really scary thing to tell people I didn't love a book because you're scared. You're like, well, what if they loved it? Or what if the author hears that and it hurts their feeling? Like, I'm very scared to say what I honestly think about books. So when somebody else has the courage, I'm like, thank you. Thank you for saying you didn't love the book. <laughs> well, and I often do think about books like food and dating, right? If you, if you, somebody puts food in front of you and they worked hard to provide it, your taste buds not, might just not be well matched to that food or you have a, an emotional experience that doesn't really work with that food. So it's just not for you, right? doesn't mean the mm. food is bad. It's just not a good match for you. And dating is the same. That dude, he might be great for somebody else, but he's just not for me, right? Like yes. knowing that I think is totally fine. And you're right. People often do have hesitancy about being honest about what they do or don't respond to well in books. 
but I don't have that <laughs> filter. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I so appreciate you guys. Does. It's way more fun to listen to like, <laughs> because it's the same thing. You're not going to love every book you read. And if you love every book you read, then that's weird. <laughs> it's true. And I, I think it's not honest. I remember somebody telling mm. me once that when you go on to online to read book reviews, a lot of those are actually paid reviews. They are ones that you you don't actually know how to trust because they just want you to buy the books. So they said, go and read the negative reviews first. Because those ones are more honest. And so I tried doing that. And I thought, that is so interesting. These people who have reviews, they don't actually say, I hate this. It was just awful. They tell you why they don't. And they're very constructive. I think as a writer, you learn more from the negative reviews than the positive reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody said once, a lot of the positive reviews are probably just your mom coming up under other names and so I remember thinking that even in terms of like podcast reviews and stuff yeah okay so <laughs> that's fine I don't care I never look at reviews of any kind for for our stuff but um I think that what you guys will find is when people read your book they will respond to who you are and what you've put into this book to make it beautiful as you said Regina like I think people will have that reaction because it's evident. In a book, when you put your heart and your history and all of your effort onto a page, people can't help but respond to what you've done. And it, they will feel it. If it is a pattern book where the author has just changed the location, the name, the hair color of the characters and just kind of redone the same story, people, you can tell right? We're not easily, easily manipulated that way. So we know. But what you guys will have presented is something so fresh and so beautiful at its core that I can't help but think the readers are going to go, oh, this, <laughs> this is what I was waiting for. <laughs> so yeah, I will totally, I will, I will read it. I will love it. And I will tell people about it. I just know it. You know, somebody said it in a movie, you know how you can tell about a good melon? That's how I can tell <laughs> this book is going to be good. How do you tell a good melon? I do not know that secret. <laughs> I know. I think that's why it's funny. I don't know either. I'm not even allowed to buy to buy the watermelons anymore. <laughs> oh my gosh! Uh, I so appreciate you guys spending time with me today. Oh, thank you for having we us. We appreciate you spending time with us, Brandy. It's an honor and a privilege to be on the podcast, and uh, you know. Every to come in the store is always a treat. Thanks. It's always nice to see you too. And I will, um, I will put all of the books that you talked about in the show notes and I will make sure that um, when the book comes out, cause I've already got my copies ordered. So when that book is released, they're coming to me right away. So I will make sure Great. that people are going to have them. And so if you're starting with Eva Ibbotson, 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 I don't even know how to say her last name, but she's amazing. The best one, my favorite one, is A Company of Swans. Absolutely. A Company of Swans? Yes. A Company of Swans. Even if you don't like ballet, you'll love ballet <laughs> in that book. I don't love ballet, but I will read that book. <laughs> <laughs> I will make you love ballet, Brandy. <laughs> See, I can be converted. It's okay. <laughs> It's so good. I like that in a book, you can discover something without having to go watch it or do it. It's a safe place 
to mm-hmm. reconsider what you may like or dislike mm-hmm. about something. And so, yeah, yeah, I will totally invest in a ballet book. <laughs> got that right. <laughs> you got that Save right. it. Save it for when you, it, for a day when it's like the chocolate ice cream days. When you need it, like a chocolate ice cream day, bring out a company of swans. And oh. it will make everything better. <laughs> a chocolate ice cream day. Mm, we might have a thing going here. Okay. I'm liking this. <laughs> I'm now going to associate ballet with chocolate ice cream. This is this is brilliant. Yeah, it doesn't really work. I'm sure ballerinas never eat chocolate ice cream. <laughs> well, on their behalf, I may have some. <laughs> that is all good. You do. <laughs> Thanks so much for talking to me today, you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Brandy. I mean, what can I say? Jaina and Regina are exceptional, and I was so thrilled to have this conversation with them. When girls are little, they often have dreams of, you know, Prince Charmings and romances and meet cutes and stuff. I always so desperately wanted best friends who could have that intimate, close bond, the finish each other's sentences kind of feeling, the I've got your back, I'll hide the body in the trunk kind of a friend. That is something that I've wanted forever. And honestly, to hear these two talk just rekindled all of those desires in me to have that kind of a close friendship. So if you are not a writer, that is okay. But if you have a close girlfriend, you know, a kindred spirit, a Diana to your Anne, somebody who has got your back and and loves you no matter what, knows all the truths, the quirks, the whole deal, and chooses you anyway, give them a call today. Tell them how much you appreciate them And what I think is so beautiful about Jamie and Regina's story collaboration is that they celebrate each other. They really do. They're not faking it. They are 100% genuine about believing that the other one has something beautiful to offer and they want to bring that out of each other. It is so fantastic. And I feel honored to have spent time with them. And I'm almost done this book and I'm really liking it. So The Girl in His Shadow is the collaborative birth child of Jema and Regina, who we are calling Audrey Blake. Celebrate women doing it right. Go to your local indie bookstore after May 4th and grab a copy of this book. You know what? Grab one for your BFF too. I think that she would love it. Okay, the books that I am currently reading, let's give you a little update on that. So right now I am listening to the audiobook of Broken Horses, which is the biography of Brandy Carlisle, the singer. It's good. I like it. I really like her speaking narrative voice. I think it's so easy to listen to. And she intersperses songs between the chapters that are relevant to each part of her story. I really like it. It's a good one. I can see why she is super popular. And she spells her name like mine. So yay. I mean, Thanks, Brandy. It's so nice to see a name like that on the cover of a book. (laughs) I am also reading Crossing to Safety by Wallace Stegner. This is our buddy read if you're following the Daisy Chain Book Company Instagram. We do a buddy read a few times a year, and this is currently the one that we've chosen. This is a beautifully written slow burn of a book about two couples and their friendship over time. It is gentle and beautifully paced. The book is so well written. The choices that Wallace Stegner makes with some of his phrases and words 
are just so well crafted. The older I get, honestly, I'm not into the flash and the wow of a book, but if it is beautifully written and I feel as if every sentence has been carefully created by that author, wow, my appreciation just goes through the roof. So I will continue to update you about this story as I read it. Crossing to Safety by Wallace Stegner. Very, very good. I am also almost done The Girl in His Shadow by Audrey Blake. You may have heard about this book. You know, there's some buzz around it. I won't say too much more. I'll tell you a little more after I've read it. And I just finished a book called Women Don't Owe You Pretty by Florence Given. Okay, this book, it is, it is a book that I think every woman should read. Full stop. I loved it. I didn't agree with everything Florence had to say, but it was bold, it was honest, and it was absolutely unforgettable. So this is Florence's debut book, and it really does talk about all parts of the feminist conversation. Florence holds nothing back. She challenges every woman to view themselves through a different lens and to be the love of their own life. I don't even know what to say except read this book, then you'll have an opinion about it, share it with other girlfriends, talk about it, and have the conversations that this book demands because once you read it, you can't be silent. I really think it is a powerful read, an honest, bold read, and definitely one for this time. Okay, my friend, I hope that today's episode has been inspiring and I look forward to our next conversation. But we are going to sign off here. So as always, no matter how you serve the world, be relevant, be generous, be unforgettable, and may your reading life be extraordinary. Till next time. Bye. Bye.